0: Welcome to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. Have you ever had this experience? You've got an important presentation to give, so you decide you're going to head over to the conference room a few minutes early and make sure that everything's connected properly. And to your horror, everything's a mess. Wires are unplugged. You aren't sure how to get the smart whiteboard connected to your Teams or your Zoom session. You're not even sure if you're using Zoom or Teams. Will remote attendees be able to hear you? Will they be able to see you? You remember the last time you went into this conference room, there was a horrible echo every time Tom joined in from his home office. And it's even more scary when you walk into a new conference room at a facility that you've never been to before. That first few minutes of panic is just absolute terror, is it not? Well, you will be very happy to know that my two guests today are very familiar with that problem. And they have a very delightful set of solutions that I think you'll be very interested in. I'd like to introduce Stacy Harder and Rich Owen, who together lead the solution design of all of our Unisys offerings relating to any form of communication or collaboration in the digital workplace. Welcome, Stacey and Rich.
1: Thanks, Weston. It's great to be here.
2: That's right. Thanks very much, Weston, for this opportunity.
0: Well, let's get started. I I think this first question, I'm just gonna go a little deeper in this. I kind of set the stage here with a challenge that we can pretty much all relate to coming into a a meeting room and it affects your ability to communicate and collaborate. What are some other challenges that you're seeing as you've worked with various customers?
1: Well, Weston, I think you pretty much summed it up in the beginning of this little podcast here. You have people that are just used to what they have at home. So when they walk into the office, they're either expecting the same setup and it's not it could be several different variations of, of different manufacturing you know components or it's outdated and they haven't seen it in years so i feel that, that that seems to be a lot of the key points that you know clients come to us with is is that's what they're seeing and they need help with
2: it's kind of even worse than that, though, isn't it? It's when they walk into that room and it might not be online or someone's taken a cable or the screen's not working or it's just infamiliarity with the equipment. They might not have been to the office for two years. They've walked in. It's completely changed. And that is one of the biggest problems I think we've all experienced. You you come in and you're just dazzled by this array of technology in front of you. And the next thing, you, you, you spend the next 15 minutes trying to work it out and trying to log on and trying to join and... Then there'd be a technical problem.
0: And I think something I've seen too, Rich and Stacy, is the gap, the experience gap between those that are physically in the room and those that were outside of the room. Prior to the pandemic, that gap always existed, and we just said, "Yeah, so what?" <laughs> They're almost like second-class citizens. Those connecting remotely. But then, as you said, Rich, we got during the pandemic, we got this expectation of all this great communication and collaboration ability at home, and we expect it in the office, and we expect to be able to see each other. And hear each other. They can't just be little, you know, dots in a big conference room, and just a bunch of little dots that we're saying who's even talking. It's almost like sometimes the experience is even worse on the inside of the conference room than outside of the things. I know that we've invested heavily in in collecting experience data on what's going on with the Zoom and the Teams uh, environments, and I think we were shocked to see that. The data says that people coming back after the pandemic were having a worse experience. They got used to, as you said, great video quality. We invested in all this equipment at home and it wasn't set up. You know, everything set stagnant for a few years in the conference room. And even now that it's being upgraded, there's issues even with things like subtle things like lighting. So anyway, I think we've got the idea here about some of the challenges about having a great communicating and collaborating experience in a meeting room. Let's get to um, some of the solutions here. You know, Stacey, Rich, what are you seeing that uh, some of the, the clients you've worked with, what are they doing to get the most value out of all this investment? And are they even looking to support hybrid work, remote work, you know, through these? How do they ensure that there's experience parity? There's a lot a lot of questions I threw at you there, but, you know, Stacey, I'd like to hear from you first.
1: One thing is QR codes. So if they they have resources walking into these various types of rooms, how do we help them understand what they're walking into? So how can they utilize the equipment, maybe provide them with some guidance if they run into any issues? And so these QR codes are to help the users when they come in. It's either a QR code that's on the display that they can easily use their mobile device for, or maybe it's on a pamphlet outside the door of the room. They scan it, and then it either helps them with a knowledge article or perhaps a video showing them how to use the equipment as well as maybe some steps on you know if they run into any issues what they can do to help self-resolve there in the room and then ultimately if they have an issue that is outside of the norm um, maybe they need to get in touch with a someone live right then and there they have the ability to use the qr codes as well to be able to get You know, an SME or someone that's, you know, smart remote hands. So they'll use the camera device on their mobile device to show that person they're live. You know, this is the issue I'm having and how can you help me then resolve it? I've mentioned several things, knowledge articles as well as videos, YouTube videos, we could show them. But it's also having that, you know, mixed reality as well involved in that for some smart hands
0: let me just see if i got it if i walk in a room i see a qr code on the desk i can scan it with my phone it can get me connected to someone that can help me and even use merge reality to help guide me through connecting the cables i love that yeah rich rich what are you saying
2: there's also that traditional way of hands and feet people on the ground that diamond glove service where they can just go to a tech cafe and request someone to come out and help them sometimes especially for certain personas of the workforce that's what's required. Think about an executive suite, if there's going to be an all hands. They want somebody there to ensure there's that there's that physical reassurance of someone being there to help people out should something go wrong. We all get very sort of like hepped up in, in the technology and what we can do. And sometimes perhaps the easiest solution is boots on the ground.
0: And I can see where that would be especially useful, Rich, not just for you know, an existing conference room that's that's always there. But I think you were maybe even be alluding to a pop up scenario where, hey, we're having a conference in a in a new location at a hotel or a venue or something like that, and we just need it working for the next day or two. Yeah, that's right. Stacy, do you have any other examples of what you see some of your clients doing to improve their communication and collaboration experience?
1: For example, we had a client who came to us, and they assumed that they only had approximately 250 meeting rooms and i say that and you probably were like how do they not know how many they have well it's because each office really maintained their own little hub system and they each used separate vendors so there wasn't a central ticketing system there wasn't a central hub you know of management for all these various offices so when we took over we did an assessment and we found out through their ticketing system that Yes, there were 250 of them, but we noticed when we sorted that there were about 150 other quote-unquote meeting rooms identified having issues. So as Rich said, we had some hands and feet go to these locations and verify that in fact, yes, these were rooms, but these were rooms that were having such issues that they weren't even logging tickets in the system. And so we were able to, uh, you know, address the issues, bring those rooms back online. And now they have over 400 meeting rooms that we're now managing.
0: Uh, And there's something else I think you mentioned to me earlier that you're doing. So if, you know, obviously your goal is to keep the meeting rooms up and running perfectly, but stuff breaks, stuff uh, fails. When that happens, what is my experience as a user? If I've got a, a meeting scheduled and I'm expecting a whiteboard or camera or things like that, and you know, it's, it's the, the last thing I want is when I walk in to find out that, that that stuff's not working. I mean, what do you do to help in that scenario?
1: For that scenario, we've actually, one of our delivery teams created an automated workflow that is now being pushed to all of our clients. And that's if, the, if we get an alert through the automated system that a room has an issue, it doesn't matter what the issue is, we immediately start a workflow that notifies all of the meeting organizers for that room for the next five days, just to give everybody a heads up, that there's a problem with the equipment in the room and giving them the option. You can still use the room for your meeting. However, if this piece of equipment was you know, needed for this meeting, then you're gonna have to find another room to use. So it's giving those people the option, giving them a heads up before they even go to the room or they even start their meeting. And then we're also working to see if we can automatically find an equivalent room for them as well. So we're working on that now.
2: We've seen a study around another financial institution who took a 25-year lease out on a London office back in 2019. Everything was fine. It was all pre-pandemic. And they had about 6,000 based employees there. And they calculated that the cost of a workstation of somebody coming into the office and using that workstation for example was sixteen thousand seven hundred dollars we'll use the american term even though i'm in the uk and that included things like utilities the cost of the workstation average support costs heating lighting tea and coffee that sort of thing as well so based on that number of sixteen thousand seven hundred they did some additional math around that particular financial institution They worked out that the average occupancy was like 65% of people sitting at their desks. No problem, I hear you all say that seems about right. So they gave themselves a buffer of about 10%, ripping it up to 75%, and worked out that out of the employees and the desks, there was on average 813 unused workstations there every day. Now at $16,700 per workstation and 813 unused workstations every day, they therefore calculated that that particular institution on their London office space could repurpose floors, remove desks, close down floors, even take the workstations out and repurpose that area. They would save on average $13.5 million per year. And then over that 25 year lease, That would equate to around about 340 million average mathematics. And it's repurposing of that space, I think, is really important to talk about because it's not all about sitting at your desks. If we look at what we're doing at home now, companies need to try and think about how they can make it a more communal experience, a more collaborative experience, whether they put in bean bags or a koi cart pond or a fish tank or a cafeteria or a larger coffee area or a more collaborative space with whiteboards ad hoc drop in collaborative spaces that's the sort of thing we need to be looking at and i think what other companies need to be looking at as well on whether they come out and they close down those floors that aren't being used on a regular basis and look at their population management and how that space can be more i don't know more efficiently used to capitalize on any sort of return on investment they may have
0: so what I hear you saying, Rich, is obviously there's some focus on you know getting value out of the investment in my real estate and the offices and the equipment and the whiteboards, and are they being used? And that, that makes perfect sense. I think you've, you've begun to touch on it here a little bit. Let, let's expand the scope even further. What other concerns will an enterprise, the CIO, the CFO have as they think about their meeting spaces i think our guests can recognize the uk accent there rich you can probably give us a good idea of uh, maybe what's the connection between concerns about sustainability and managed meeting rooms
2: now in europe as well we've got the esg sustainability aspect to look at as it comes into power especially in throughout, throughout europe and first off in germany of next year where the biggest cost of any company is going to be the people who work for them the second one is going to be real estate and how can you make that real estate footprint more efficient more sustainable and it's like what i just mentioned with like shutting down parts of a building or removing workstations repurposing coming out of a lease it's that dynamic ability to look at parts of the business and in particular this we're talking about real estate uh, and getting it to move with the ebbs and flows of the business and in, in regards to that then you've got the sense of occupancy and CO2 that can be brought in with additional sensor technology.
1: Yeah. And I would say to add on top of that with regards to the IoT sensors is the ability to really take that data, aggregate your data that comes from those sensors, and then really take a look at the reports and and what are they really showing you? For example, we know of a client that installed IoT sensors and they had about four floors. After two months, they were able to determine through the analysis from the reporting that folks primarily like to go into the office, of course, Monday through Friday. They did have folks go in on Monday through Thursday, I should say. They did go in on Friday. However, it only equated to about two floors. So the building manager said, okay, well, on Fridays, we're going to institute that you know, the top two floors are going to be shut down completely. So you can only reserve spaces on the first two floors. And what that showed is when they shut down those floors, they literally powered them down. They shut off the HVAC and they were able to save approximately $6,000 every Friday by doing that. And now they're looking at the rest of what their insights and analytics are telling them about the rest of the week. Are they able to consolidate floors on those days as well? So there's a lot of really good information coming out from these IoT sensors that a lot of companies can use.
2: And we also heard about a great other use case as well. I thought it might be worthwhile mentioning. It's that of a chef working in a cafeteria area and IoT sensors were being installed and there were people in the canteen area and they had step ladders out and the chef came out to see what, you know, basically what the disruption was. He said, what are you doing? And he said, well, the thing is, what we're doing is we're judging population and through footfall and how many people are in certain areas via heat maps and that sort of thing. And the chef turned around and said, hey, can I get hold of that data? Because if I had access to that data, I could then reduce my food costs and know when to on more with the population of, of, of the workers are coming in and when are the quiet days as well. So they're saving money in different areas. Even when you think about what's happening in regards to CO two, years ago you used to be able to open a window. You certainly can't open a window these days with sealed windows and high rises and and all that going on. And you've got the HVAC running in the background. Well, if you've got a lot of people in a particular room and the HVAC is say overstressed or is at a lower level than what it should be, you've got that build up of CO two. That's what's going to cause you to start yawning. It's going to start cause you to be a bit sleepy. So what do you generally do? You get up, you walk away from your desk, you may go and pester another employee, stop their productivity of what they're doing. And I'm not saying we should all be chained to our desks eight hours a day, but this could theoretically be an unnecessary break and a break in your concentration. And on average, people use about, lose about 60 minutes a day through not only disconnected systems, but breaks in concentration as well. And then you'd be going over, say, getting a cup of coffee, opening the fridge, that sort of thing all this has an impact you see on people's productivity how they collaborate how they can apply their train of thought without being necessarily interrupted by the environment around them whether that be in an office or or elsewhere
0: now i'm going to take a step back because just a few years ago (laughs) there were predictions that all of our communication and collaboration would be through virtual reality we would all be talking through avatars and have an avatar representing ourselves, and it would just make life better. And, and you know what? That's not happened. I'm not seeing that. In very few cases. Am I seeing you know people collaborating just in that model and getting value out of it? So my question for the two of you is, what about VR? Does it have a place at all in our communicating and collaborating?
1: As much as that was the big buzzword, you know, everybody wanted a headset. We wanted to see what it was all about we're actually seeing that there is a market for it and a solution and and it's really driven right now by training that's probably the biggest one for example you, you know you have frontline workers that need some training done maybe you don't want them to actually interact with the machinery right away so you can you know create a learning tool in a vr headset for them to do that And then also, you know, you have other clients or retail industries that may have, and it might be scary to think about, but, you know, active shooter scenarios, uh, what does that mean? Maybe the fire departments, you know, you want to train, you know, your up and coming firefighters to be able to train without actually being engaged in an active fire. So we're seeing it more as a training as well as an onboarding tool as well. Onboarding into your company, you know, have them walk through almost like a gamification type scenario with the headset. But as far as having actual meetings, that hasn't really expanded as, you know, as well as it should right now. It it may develop more as technology develops, but Rich, I think you probably agree. It's probably more of the training right now.
2: Certainly do. Certainly got a training aspect to it. In fact, I think augmented reality is a better. Business case, really, than virtual reality. Instead of sitting around with a effectively really heavy diving goggles on your face, a more, I don't know, delicate set of traditional glasses. That aspect, I think, has definitely got a better sort of form factor uh, in the enterprise. Having that remote assist, which we've touched upon already when we were talking about uh, the managed solution, the managed meeting room solution, where anyone can walk in, put on a pair of glasses, anyone from from the, the tech cafe can walk in there and have access then to a more knowledgeable individual wherever they be me, whether they with a, a global delivery center or just someone who is basically back at an, in the IT bunker, uh, giving them advice on how to fix that solution. So with that technology, you're no longer limited to having the skills yourself. As long as you can go in there, you've effectively got eyes, hands, And the ability to communicate with somebody who is is more obviously more knowledgeable than you and can fix the problem and can guide you through it
0: hey rich i want to come back to you though on something else uh stacy mentioned frontline worker i know that's a a really a topic that you dig into a lot and you you think about a lot going beyond what we talked about about vr mr ar what are some of the challenges real quickly that you're seeing with frontline workers in manufacturing in their ability to communicate and collaborate in more traditional means? And what are you seeing as as some of the solutions that's filling that gap today?
2: So frontline workers actually deserve to communicate and collaborate just like people who sit behind a desk. And if you look and break down what meeting technology is, meeting technology just brings people together. It allows people to communicate. Now, whether that's through traditional meeting room solutions or whether that's through a headset. And as we've mentioned, augmented reality with a picture in picture just below your vision. But really, it's about being able to consume a productivity suite. It's about able to consume information. It's be able to, to link and connect to other people, whether that's through push to talks what, via productivity suite hubs, or whether it's to have contact with a control room to save you time from having to go back to a control room every five minutes to get additional work orders. That information should be surfaced in in a medium that's consumable to the worker and normally with frontline workers it's through ruggedized devices or headsets like what we've mentioned or even something that's been bolted to the forklift truck in front of them all this would be incorporating not only the productivity suite and traditional forms of communication but it's also going to start incorporating ip such as smart picking in a warehouse environment or in a loading dock at an airport or smart loading as well that could be an option as well bringing that logistics information away from the traditional clipboards that we usually see when we gaze outside a window of an airplane and into a more 21st century device that's being ruggedized and is persona driven to the individual who's using it
0: well we have really covered a lot of great stuff here i know we started off talking about meeting rooms and there's a lot of focus on that, but Rich and Stacy, you've helped me see the importance of thinking about communicating and collaborating in various workspaces. Uh, it could be a uh, manufacturing floor for frontline worker. It could be smart uh, buildings, smart warehouses, all of those we need to take into account. So I think let's uh, wrap up with getting your tips on where to get started. If I am a CTO, CIO, CFO, and we're thinking about how to improve communication and collaboration, in the workplace rich i'll start with you
2: yeah so for me it's all about definition of the problem what is the problem you're trying to solve and with that let's face it it comes down to good consultancy and organizational change management that's going to help you identify those problems and once you've got that problem identified then technology solutions can then be applied to it
1: and just to add to what rich is saying i think having an understanding of all the applications that are in your environment that may be collecting some of the data such as energy, meeting room experiences, you know, just the meeting room data, communication data as well as your productivity. Can they all be combined into perhaps one platform, whether it be Power BI or another tool, that gives companies an easier way to view their environment and see their analytics and their insights. And, and that's something that we're really trying to get our you know arms around here too with our Unisys solutions.
0: Well, Rich and Stacy, this has been a, an excellent discussion about communication and collaboration and how it's changing and evolving the use of new technology. I want to thank you for giving us some time here today and, and sharing your knowledge.
1: Thanks, Weston, for including us in your podcast. And if anyone would like to know more, um, please feel free to reach out to me on my LinkedIn. Just make sure to reference the podcast and I'll be sure to get right back to you.
0: And you're at Stacy Harder. That's how they can find you on LinkedIn. That right? is correct. All right, thanks.
2: Okay, you can also find me on LinkedIn as well, Richard Owen. And I'm more than happy to talk about any of the technologies and solutions that we spoke to today. It's been a pleasure to be on your podcast again, Weston. I should do it more often. Thank you very much.
0: It has been a lot of fun. Well, folks, you have been listening to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. Thanks for joining us. Mm -hmm.